Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for listening to Beyond Prisons. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Sonnenstein, and today my co-host, Kim Wilson, and I are going to begin to explore a topic that we hope to return to throughout 2019, and that topic is transformative justice. We're beginning this conversation today by discussing the concept of pods and the process of pod mapping, which involves developing skills and identifying relationships that are key to intervening in harm and providing the kind of support that accountability can demand. We'll explain this all in greater detail in a moment, but before we do, I wanted to point out that we've linked to reading materials, toolkits, and other resources in the episode description for people who want to dig deeper into what we're discussing today. I'd like to give a big shout out to the Bay Area Transformative Justice Collective, Mia Mingus, the folks behind the Creative Interventions Toolkit, and Connie Burke, who have all assembled the work that we're discussing today. And last but not least, our ability to do this podcast relies heavily on the support of listeners like you. So if you have a couple dollars to spare each month, please consider joining us at patreon.com slash beyondprisons. If you can't give money, but you still want to help us out, please tell your friends, family, and comrades about the show. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And you can follow us on social media at beyond underscore prison on Twitter and on Facebook at facebook.com slash beyond prisons podcast. Thanks again for listening. And we hope you enjoy our first foray into transformative justice with a conversation on pods and pod mapping. Here's the episode. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, Welcome to 2019. Hopefully this will be a less shitty year than 2018. Oh, it's not a high bar, so. (laughs) (laughs) We're already starting off from a very, very dark place. Let's let's just try to, you know, um, push through and make sure that, you know, this year can be better. Um, And I'm not someone who does New Year's resolutions, but... Yeah. Um, what about you? Uh, same. You know, um, I think uh, I'm not one for New Year's resolutions either, but um, I think given how particularly awful the last year has been for a variety of reasons, it's definitely a time for introspection and, uh, and you know, something that I think we like to do uh, on this podcast is, you know, visioning and sort of imagining um, how things could be better and how we get there. Um, and I feel like that has been something that has been a guidepost for me in the first whatever week of this year <laughs> already. So, um, so yeah, it, I'm very glad to be back with you and doing this. Um, it's been too long and, uh, and yeah, I'm excited. Um, yeah, and I think, absolutely. you know, today, one of the things that we wanted to sort of dip our toes into, um, involves a term that we use a lot on this show and that people in activist circles use a lot um, and sort of sussing out this idea of community um, mm-hmm. and doing that through something called pods. Um, and I don't know, like, wh- I, I guess I could read from the definition here. Um, I think what's really interesting about this, um, and I, you know, obviously would love to hear your thoughts about this um, as somebody who has facilitated transformative justice and somebody who has, um, you know, done workshops with this, um, 
is not only like getting to the bottom of what community is in like a practical sense, but also thinking critically and practically about like the relationships um, that we have in our life, in our lives and the practice of relationship and, um, you know, thinking about the people that are or are not around us um, and the roles that they play in our lives. It's not something that I think that, you know, in a uh, sort of atomized capitalist society, we are ever encouraged to think about, um, at least not beyond like the abstract. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. What about you? Same. And uh, just, you know, before we dive into that, uh, the reason we're doing this conversation or starting off with a conversation uh, for the new year around pods is because um, I've been doing uh, a lot of work around transformative justice uh, in, you know, since uh, last year, uh, I've been part of a group uh, in California uh, that has been uh, a group of practitioners. Uh, and we've been looking at and thinking about and practicing um, transformative justice uh, in different contexts and thinking through, you know, the actual problems that we have. So, you know, this is something that you've heard me talk about, you know, a lot um, it, outside of the context of, you know, the podcast. And uh, we've been looking forward to doing this. So I'm excited to to do this today. Um, and, you know, just because we're talking about pods on a podcast. Um, <laughs> it just, we can get kind of, you know, lost in terms of the language. But, you know, I think very simply, uh, I, I think it's useful to share the definition that the Bay Area uh, Transformative Justice Committee came up with. Um, do you want to read that, Brian, or would you like me to read it? Um, yeah, I think I have it right here. Um, so for... And we'll have the link for this in the, the description so that people can, can read this over outside of our conversation. But basically, the way that they describe it is that your pod is made up of people that you would call on if violence, harm, or abuse happened to you, or the people that you would call on if you wanted, to, if you wanted support in taking accountability for violence, harm, or abuse that you've done, or if you've witnessed violence, or if someone you care about was being violent or being abused. Um, mm -hmm. And then it goes on to say that people can have multiple pods. The people that you call on to support you when you're being harmed may not be the same people that you call on to support when you've done harm and vice versa. Um, so yeah, I think we can, we can sort of dive in there. So th this notion of pods, you know, really emerged from the idea that community is a very vague term for a lot of people right? We talk about the community or we talk about, you know, things happening in community or you're part of a community. And that can seem very distant uh, to a lot of people. I know it has for me many times throughout my, you know, throughout my life. Um, and as someone who's written about communities, uh, never quite sure what community you know, you're, we're talking about or we're referring to. So the, um, uh, the Bay Area Transformative Justice uh, Committee came up with this notion collectively of using pods, which seems to have stuck. And I found it, you know, to be a really useful way to try to understand and um, 
to try to understand our relationships, right? Um, the kinds of supports that we need uh, if we have been harmed uh, and who you might call on to hold you accountable if you are the person causing harm or abuse. And that's, I think, a very a radically different way of thinking about accountability than the way that we tend to approach it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so for this and, you know, other reasons, I think that pods becomes a very, um, a useful tool uh, for, you know, for us to think through. And there's there's a worksheet um, and the, the link is uh, on, the we'll provide the link uh in uh in the description as well that you know you have this pod mapping worksheet right and right. basically it's a series of circles um circles that are drawn on a piece of paper and in the middle you know you have yourself right and the circles immediately around that. So they're individual circles, not concentric circles for um, folks trying to visualize this. Um, so there are a series of circles outside of that, right? That are heavily, um, that have a heavy border, right? And those are the people that are closest to you. Those are not necessarily your friends or family members, right? And this right. is key to thinking about because there are emergency situations that I can think of in my own life um, where the person that I've contacted was not necessarily a family member, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> where it was someone, you know, that I had already had a, you know, some kind of relationship with, friendship with, um, and a connection with, and it understood you know, the problems in my life, right? right? And I knew I could rely on that person to come through and to give me the support that I would need in that moment without me having to explain from beginning to end everything that led up to that, you know, incident, right. um, which is draining. And I think that that's a lot of why, you know, sometimes people don't want to reach out. Um, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why people don't want to reach out mm -hmm. um, and, and talk to someone. So that's, you know, the first layer of circles um, immediately surrounding you. And in each one of those, you would put, you know, someone's name in there. Uh, and, you know, you would think about, okay, um, try to think of scenarios uh you know would you call this person in x scenario or what have you mm -hmm. um and part of what that does is it allows you to recognize who is closest to you that you know that you can rely on right, right. but it also part of the um part of the deal quote unquote deal, if you will. And I hate using that terminology for this, but part of what you come to recognize uh, through this or part of what you do is you ask the people that you've put in those circles closest to you if they consent mm -hmm. to be the person that you can call on in an emergency, right? Because 
especially, you know, marginalized folks, um, folks that are living with, you know, at the intersections of, you know, many different oppressions. Um, we are around other folks who are similar, similarly, why can't I get that word out? Um, <laughs> positioned, right? And if everyone is stretched to their limit, you know, asking someone to give when they're probably going through something is also adding a burden. So right. in order to, you know, uh, to not put too much on someone else's plate or to expect someone to do something, right? So this raises, you know, this notion of consent um, as well and, and brings it into the conversation. You're asking people and you're being very deliberate about those, you know, relationships, those uh, pods. Right. Um, further out, as you move further out, you're looking at things in the community, right? Community members and other people that, you know, you might need to do some work with. So, you know, right. you may have your mom or, you know, a sister or a friend or someone else uh, that you've known forever who's you know, who you put in those other circles outside of that. Um but those are folks that you may need to do some relationship work with, right? To get them up to speed about where you are, you know, and what this whole thing is and what you would need from them uh, right. in this situation. So there would be some work that needs to happen uh, with the folks in, in those circles. And those are depicted by, you know, a broken line around the, you know, broken line circle, Um and if the largest circles, those on the perimeter of the page, um, are really, uh, are, those are the circles in terms of community resources and other things in your city, perhaps your neighborhood, that you would need uh, that don't currently exist, right? So mm. if we're looking at this as a way to respond to not just... Um, we're not going to use the word violence, but as a way to respond to harm, right? right? Um, outside of, you know, calling the police, uh, then, you know, what resources do you, would you need in your community uh, or in your city to support you if you experience harm um, or if you've done harm, right? What are right. those things that are there? So it really reveals you know, the kind of glaring omissions that we have in, you know, in services, right? And it's like, so there's, it's really complex, you know, it's a simple model, but it's super complex in terms of the many layers and the various things that emerge um, as a result. Yeah, there's, there is so much the, the first time that I looked at this and, and after doing sort of subsequent reading that sort of came, came to mind and um, I thought was really thought provoking, um, you know, to, to sort of backtrack to the first round of circles. Um, you know, I think thinking of my own life and the lives of people that I'm close with, I know that a lot of times like we might have something going on that we need. Uh, assistance with, um, and maybe we feel like we're calling on somebody too many times and being a burden to them. And I like how it's not just like, this is your one go to person, but this is like a 
I'm trying not to use the word, but a community, like a group of people to, to sort of disperse that, um, that, that weight on, onto like a group of other people so that you have sort of like, you're surrounded by people who can help you instead of feeling like, well, I need help right now with X, Y, and Z, but you know, I've already called on this person. I'm, I'm going to burn them out. And like, maybe they don't have time. Maybe there's something going on in their own lives. Um, uh, and I, and so I, I liked that, you know, how it's not just like your one emergency contact sort of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it moves you, it moves you from having, you know, from operating in crisis mode, right? right. Because they're, you know, to really developing and building relationships. And that's really what it is, you know, so right. we're calling pods, um, but it's a relationship, you know, analysis or a relationship model. Um, here. And it's like, what are those relationships? There are a lot of people that don't have anyone in their pods, right? Right. Like if you don't, and that says something about, you know, what's happening, um, you know, and what needs to happen, right? So it's like, you know, I, I, it's not like I have 10 pod people, I have maybe four pod people that I would call on um, reliably call on and ask, you know, for, um, for support, right. Or ask to hold me accountable. So you can do, you know, um, in the workshops, um, that, that I've facilitated, I've asked folks to do, um, a support pod, um, you know, worksheet and an accountability pod worksheet. Right. And support folks are folks that obviously you call on when you need support, um, and the accountability folks would be the people that you would call on, you know, again, if you have harmed someone, if you have right. been abused and, you know, that really helps you think about your relationships in, in a different way. I mean, at least it helped me tremendously when I came across this model, um, it helped me, you know, it revealed a lot of things for me. And every time I've done it it's um the feedback that you know i've gotten is that oh wow i didn't realize you know that Mm -hmm. this you know that i needed to do this or i had this person i would normally call you know x um but you know now that i think about it more deliberately i'm not sure x would be the person to call right yeah i think that part of it you know was definitely something that jumped out to me that I think at first glance, like it might seem obvious, like maybe the first time you look at the sheet, you're like, oh, I know exactly who I'd write down, let's say, like not everybody, but but in some cases, you might feel that way if you look at this. Um, And then I think the more you think about it, and the more you sort of like meditate on it, the more you realize, well, there are certain people that I would call on in those situations, like based on the situation, based on what the harm is, you know, like there are certain people I can go to for certain things. There also might be people who I consider friends and who I spend time around a lot, but who I not wouldn't necessarily be sort of like emotionally intimate with them about things that are going on in my lives. Right. Like I know people um, in my life and, and um, you know, and talking to other friends who spend a lot of time with somebody, but wouldn't divulge, you know, something personal about their life to them for fear of, you know, for not being able to trust that person, for fear that that person may not understand, you know, like a lot of our relationships, I think, um, I think just 
like being close and spending time with something is different than having the relationship that this is talking about. And I thought that that was was really And that that touches on the first point. Um, Again, I'm going to reference folks or uh, ask them to go and check out um, the BA uh, TJC's uh, page on this. And, you know, the first point that they make um, on the page about pods was that, you know, most people have few solid, dependable relationships in their lives, right? That Um, And it goes on to say, much of this is from the breaking of relationships, isolation, fear, and criminalization that capitalism requires. We found that for many people, mapping their pod was a sobering process, as many thought their pod would be larger than it actually was. Mm -hmm. It is not uncommon for most people to have one or two people in their pod. We reassure people that this is not a popularity contest, but rather a chance to reflect on why we have so few relationships with the kind of deep trust, reliability, and groundedness we need to be able to respond well to violence. And I think that, you know, basically says a lot about, you know, the kind of work that we need to do. And in in a lot of ways, you know, when we get asked these questions, um, you know, and you and I get this question all the time, um, you know, when we're asked to speak is, you know, it's like, what do we do with the, you know, what do we do with these people, these bad Mm -hmm. people over here? It's like, Mm -hmm. you're not really asking, you know, for all of them to be let out of prison, right? Is that, you know, a recognition of the fact that we don't have a really good sense for what else could be, right? right? And, that in this capitalist, you know, system, in this society, um, our notions of relationships are transactional in a way that is harmful, right? That, you know, and that part about asking people if they would mind being, you know, your accountability person, right? Or one of your accountability people or support person um, helps not just you, but also them to think about notions of consent and what it means. You know, it's like, because you may not be, you may want to be somebody's support person, but if you're maxed out, you know, in your own life, you may not, you know, you may just want to say, you know, I probably won't be able to come through for you. You know, it's like maybe at another time um, I'd be happy to, but again, having that conversation, it's not, that you're forcing people into conversation, but you're being deliberate about, you know, this, this process. And you are trying to build something um, that gets you to a different place so that you have these support systems in place. That's another important component of this, um, of this model is that you put these systems in place before you get to crisis mode, right? So before you have, an issue where, you know, again, for, um, for folks that have done TJ or, um, are familiar with, with the transformative justice process, um, one of the tools that, you know, practitioners use is, um, is a circle, right? So, you know, we tend to demand a lot of a circle and Mm -hmm. to move us, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen outside of the circle. Right. There's a lot of stuff that needs to happen, you know, interpersonally. Um, 
And at the level of, you know, maybe just three, four people, if you want to call that your quote unquote community, um, then, you know, there's a lot of work that can happen there before something, you know, before you need to call on it, right? Before you need to call on it, you've thought through, um, you, you've, maybe not thought through everything that you need to do, but you've had a conversation, you know, in terms of the what if, and that's a difficult conversation to have. I don't know that there are, you know, I, I do know there are not many people in my personal life that I would have those conversations with. Mm-hmm. And the people that I have had those conversations with, you know, they know who they are. Um, they're, okay being you know my support people my accountability people Mm -hmm. um and what have you uh and you know but it's also made me work differently right Right. it also made me think about you know my own actions my own you know behaviors my own attitudes um around you know pretty much everything because if i'm behaving in a way that you know is it doesn't cohere with my values i need to sit down and have a conversation with someone that i trust and you know at least for me i don't want to have to review everything that's ever happened in my life right. <laughs> with someone like i'm like you know maybe it's because i just turned 50 recently but it's like there's a lot of shit that's happened i don't want to have to you know unpack all of that stuff you know, with someone, it's just like, okay. Well, it's very traumatizing in a lot of yeah, ways. Exactly. Too. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, you already know me. You know where I'm coming from. You know what my values are. I did this thing and this thing does not, you know, and I don't even have to say this thing doesn't cohere with my values. They would just say, that's really not you. You right. know, and like, how do you, how do you respond to that? How do you deal with that? And they would help you develop, you know, um, a process in, in a way to, uh, to try to repair that harm, you know? So it, for me, I, I found it extremely helpful, extremely useful. I also want to say for folks that are listening to this, um, it's also not the end all be all. So don't look at pods. Pods are going to save us from everything. Um, it's, it's a great place to start. It's a tool. It's, a way to think through a lot of different problems that are happening and to brainstorm, um, not just individually, but also with other people that are, you know, thinking about these issues, uh, you know, and around harm so that you are building those systems within your, you know, within your pods, um, large or small as you want them to be. Yeah, I mean, I think that last point and connecting back to sort of your original example of people being like, well, you're going to let everybody out of prisons or like, well, what do we do about, you know, people who murder or or whatever? Um, You know, I I agree. I think that this is an important entry point and uh, organizational tool. I think it's also helpful. You know, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like something about like the human brain or something that makes us want to makes makes us like want to look for things that are not complex or not complicate our thinking on things. And I think it's important to look at all of this as uh, like, I guess maybe, you know, for people, especially people who are like not involved in the justice system, it's comforting to look at, to know that that institution or those institutions are there 
and there's a system there, right? And they can take solace in the fact that there's something there. And it's, it's harder to step back and look at, at something else like this and see it as a long process, as a development of skills, as, um, as complicated and messy work that people have been doing for centuries, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like developing these ways um, of, of, uh, of dealing with harm. And, and like you were saying earlier, like intervening in harm, which I think is, is one of the, the major points about all of this is not letting things get to the point where it's so where, where harms that are being endured or committed are so absurdly obvious and, and intense, but instead recognizing and being able to develop a skill set to recognize when they're starting and intervening and not only stopping them, but coming up with ways to, to stop them from happening again, <clears throat> you know, like recognizing patterns and figuring out how to transform situations and, and stop those patterns from repeating. Um, so I don't know, maybe that was a bunch of, of a tangled mess of thoughts there, but no, no, just responding not- to everything you were just saying, like, I think one of the things that's both like kind of, and this came up in another reading that we did, that's, that's both like frightening, but also comforting is to, is to just sort of sit with the fact that this stuff is messy and it's not predetermined and we have like a lot of work to do, but we have to start somewhere and we have to start, you know, like developing these skills. Um, and we can't just wait for somebody to, to plop down like a, a foolproof system, you know, to replace what we have. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think when we think about, you know, um, things like um, why don't women come forward, right? Mm -hmm. That's something that's a refrain we hear all the time. Well, why didn't they come forward before? Right. Um, And a lot of it is because when people do come forward, right, it's they are re-traumatized. They are treated like they're suspect, right? So why would someone want to reopen those things? But it also, you know, the system that we have for dealing with victims of harm removes their agency, Mm -hmm. right? It it takes away, it's not about self-determination, right? Because there are many reasons why someone may want to or need to stay in their community or even in the home that they share with someone who has committed harm. And I mean, the cultural work that we've done with movies and music videos and, you know, whatever talk shows um, Mm -hmm. and what have you, rom-coms and all this stuff really has worked very well to convince us that, you know, you, you should always want to leave, Mm -hmm. right? You should always want to leave. And that's not the case, right? That's not the case for many people for a lot of different reasons. And way more complicated than that. Yeah, a lot more complicated, a lot more layered, um, a lot more nuanced. And those are not conversations that we tend to have anywhere. No, we don't have them at home, at church, in our schools, in organizations, and the spaces where we are having those conversations, those are great, but they're also not enough, right? Mm-hmm. Because even if, you know, we get 
30 people out once a week to talk about this, there are a lot more people who are suffering, right? Who can't make it there that once a week, you know, to have that conversation, right? And there are a lot of other people who, you know, don't have access to these, you know, to these kinds of tools or ideas or easily have access to these tools and ideas. So being able to um, spread, you know, this out um, into the universe um, and disperse it in ways that are not pinned to someone having to be an expert or Mm -hmm. professional or have a certification, right, um, in in this whole thing, also, I, I think is also very helpful, right? So, yeah. yeah, I think that last point, especially, um, you know, the idea that, you know, we look at, at um, addressing harm, I think, as a society, especially in like American culture writ large, when there's harm, you turn to an agency, right? Or a professional or something like that. And I think, um, you know, going back to to the pods and like what you just said, basically just reiterating what you just said, like being able to locate that stuff within, build those skills within the people closest to us, you know? Um, I think it came up in some of the, the other readings and I'm sure it's something we're gonna, we're gonna touch on again is that, you know, We've talked a lot about how a lot of people, for various reasons, uh, calling the police can bring more harm or it's not something that's even on the table. And I think, um, you know, in a lot of cases, we turn to the people closest to us first and that as a group, we also need to take responsibility for um, for failing to intervene early on and basically being accountable for ignoring people early on, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think and, that, and yeah. intervention, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I think that recognizing that is part of like moving past this idea that the only people that can address and redress this stuff are professionals, government officials, you know, uh, the police. And, and, yeah, the police, um, you know, like that sort of quote unquote, like class of people outside of just like being able to do it in our, our pods, you know? Um, so go ahead. I go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's also in terms of intervention, I reframing what we think of an intervention. So it's not just, you know, it's not to sit the person down that has done the harm and, you know, and force them into a situation or end the person mm-hmm. that's been harmed. It's not to bring these two parties together and force them into you know, conversations and reconciling and, you know, and things like that. That's not at all what we're suggesting or asking for, um, or at least it's not what I'm asking for. I don't know what other folks are doing, but, you know, at least, um, but it is in terms of putting those systems in place. So as, you know, in the example that I, that I used earlier about, you know, women coming forward um, so that, you know, if it's a child that has been the victim of abuse, that child can say, you know, without being dismissed, right? And it's like, we're not putting the burden, we're not asking, put the burden on on children, 
right? But we often give messages that silence children, yeah. right? Um, I know when I was a child and I was the victim of, you know, uh, sexual abuse as a child, um, the messages that I got from adults was that that was not something that they wanted to hear about or talk about. And I didn't talk about it for a very, very long time, right. a very long time, right? I was well into adulthood before I actually started to unlearn those patterns, right? right? And I feel like, you know, these kinds of conversations put systems in place. And these are not foolproof systems. These are not systems that, you know, it's like, these are not guarantees. These mm -hmm. are suggestions for different ways of building relationships with people that are you know, don't rely on the police, right? Or on right. government agencies to monitor or mediate um, our lives, right? So if, you know, um, in, in my case, and I'll speak about myself, um, in my case, it was, you know, a family member, right? Um, I'm not sure that I even had, you know, an understanding of prisons that, you know, six, seven years old, or that that's something that you would do. I just wanted it to stop. Right. And that's not, that's, it, you know, what do you do when you're a child in that situation and the adults that you're talking to are, are dismissive or ignoring you. Right. right. Like we don't have, you know, a, or what messages are those adults getting that, puts them in a place that says this it's okay to be dismissive of a child saying that this thing is happening. Right. right. I mean, cause that's really the crux of the situation. I mean, I'm talking about it from my own personal experience and now with, you know, 30 plus years or 40 plus years of, you know, wisdom, if you will, that, that I've accumulated over that time in terms of how, you know, I see this and understand this. Um, but by no means are we saying, you know, children should bear the responsibility. They don't. Children are the ones who are being victimized and exploited. And if we don't do something differently in terms of discussing, because we don't discuss power dynamics in this mm -hmm. country either. Um, we don't talk about power um, you know, in relationships uh, that way, pods is an entry point to having these other conversations, right? right? It helps reveal, you know, the many different layers of things that are going on because, you know, I imagine in terms of, you know, when you're developing your support pod or if you're doing this in, in the context of workshops, um, inevitably, you know, these things will come up and some will say, well, you know, this thing has happened to me and I called X and this is what happened. Right. Um, if we're talking about, you know, sexual violence and sexual abuse, um, that's a really, really tough conversation to have, but it's also not a conversation where you need an expert to help you get to safety, right? right? And it's like, if that's the first step is, you know, getting the person that's being harmed to safety, um, that could be anybody. That could be anybody in your life that, you know, is willing to 
to help you, willing to assist you. And who are those people? Identifying those people is important. Absolutely. When we talk about, um, you know, the silence and the, the, you know, if a child is abused, sort of ignoring them, or it's not something we want to talk about. I mean, what we are doing is we are teaching a lesson that is going to get passed along throughout that child's life. Maybe when that child grows up and has relationships with other people or has children themselves, um, those lessons manifest. And I think what, for me, one of the biggest differences between sort of our traditional uh, quote unquote justice system that we have. And when we talk about um, transformative justice is breaking those cycles, those sort of generational uh, or even within somebody's lifetime sort of cycles of behavior and abuse and trauma um, and recognizing all the different ways that it manifests. And I think, um, I think also just sort of thinking back on what you were saying, I think it's also important to point out that your pod isn't going to be permanent. It's not just situational, but I do think that as you grow, as your life changes, as you move around, as you have different experiences or you gain wisdom or, or things like that, that your pod will probably change. Um, and so from my reaction to looking over this worksheet is that this is something that's very fluid, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's not something that like, I'm going to fill this out once, put it on the wall, and then I'm going to, that's going to be my pod for, for my life. You know, it's, it's something, um, I think that's an important way to think about our relationships as well, because there are people that we've had in our lives for a very long time who we might immediately gravitate towards, uh, or, or not, you know? Um, and I think it's important to think about, about it that way too. I don't, I don't know what you think. Well, I think, um, you know, it, it, that's a really good point. It's it's not just that, at least in my thinking, it's just, it's fluid, but it's also dynamic, right? Yeah. So you're not necessarily just, you know, discarding people. Um, but what you are doing is saying, okay, well, you know, I've had a conversation with, you know, with Susie over here and Susie agreed to be, you know, one of my support people, um, you know, and I have her in my support pod, but now Susie has, you know, a new job and children and what have you, or is going through something herself that, you know, she needs a different kind of support and she may not be able, you know, and it's not like we stay in in crisis right these things can be drawn out and they can happen over you know many years um unfortunately but you know we we do move you know we move we're human beings we're not going to stay static and i think that the notion of pods also allows us to reconceptualize you know um who we are turning to, right, um, at different points in time in our life, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, and, and the support, you know, primarily um, the notion for this uh, was developed because um, the the Bay Area uh, Transformative Justice um, Collective, I kept saying committee and I meant to say collective, um, started this because they they do their work on uh child sexual assault right Mm -hmm. but if we think about the kind of relationship work 
that we need to do if we're doing this, you know, if we do this worksheet and it shows, oh, well, we have one or two people. They're people who have no one, yeah. right? They're people who have no one. Like I, I keep thinking about, um, you know, how this works in other contexts. So if I'm using this with, you know, in, in where I live uh, and with other people who've agreed to come together to, you know, uh, to talk about TJ, um, how do we think about this in the context of prisons, for example? Right. Who's in your pod if you're in prison? Right. And that's something that, you know, I haven't done that work yet. Um, I haven't talked to anyone that's in prison who has that experience that can share that, you know, with either me or with both of us and and the rest uh, of the folks out there. Um, But I think that it's an interesting question because, you know, there, when I think of places where having a good sense of who you can rely on um, for support, I mean, prison, I don't know, um, prison definitely is in my mind all the time. And I know right. that may not be um, easy for folks to hear as we're having this conversation, particularly if we're talking about people that, you know, or uh, victims of violence and people that have been harmed uh, in, in various ways. Um, But this model also, you know, takes into account, um, or at least a transformative justice model of which pods is a tool within that broader umbrella term of transformative justice. Um, Yeah, and I I think too, especially, you know, with the example of prisons, I think, you know, we've talked many times on this podcast and in just conversation with each other about the way that prisons are set up explicitly to destroy people's relationships and connections with one another. Right. And it's a place where those relationships are probably more important than ever, you know? Um, And I think that that makes it even more imperative and and urgent to, to do this kind of thinking, you know, with, with that community of people. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, another like, the, the other thing that we've also talked about many times is that this system that we have has really nothing to do with um, accountability. Uh, it's, and I think an important part of the pods um, and something that I want to underscore is that it's not just for people who have harm done to them, but it's also for thinking about who can call you in and who you can turn to Exactly. Um, for accountability, you know? Um, exactly. And then the last exactly. thing I wanted to say, um, I, I, your comments, I think, were, were really great. And I think the last thing I want to say, too, and that we've sort of touched on multiple times in this conversation is that, you know, we can't, we have to complicate our thinking and not, um, you know, people, uh, how do I say this? Um, you know, like people who do harm are also people who have been subject to harm, you know, mm-hmm. never like there's not, you don't like go into one category and then spend the rest of the time, your time there. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. this, 
it's all very dynamic. And I think that that is an important. Um, important well, so, so it, and it's, it's possible to occupy those, both of those roles at the same time. Yep. So it's not an either or it's a both end. Right. 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 And however, that doesn't, you know, it, it's not as if, you know, um, TJ practitioners or TJ as, you know, um, a, a field, if you want to call it a field. Um, it's not as if, you know, uh, you know, TJ practitioners are advocating for letting people that have caused harm off the hook. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that we need to think through what we mean by, you know, accountability, yes. right? Because accountability is not throwing someone in, you know, in a cage for decades and decades and decades um, or their entire life and forgetting about them and saying, okay, well, now we've accomplished this thing that we call, quote unquote, justice, right? Right, right. Um, instead, what we're saying is, okay, once the once the person that has been harmed uh, and we're including the worst kinds of harm in there as well. Right. Um, Murder is included in there. Right. Uh, And obviously there's no way to bring someone back. Right. And we, we understand that and we recognize that and we're deeply, deeply empathetic, um, you know, uh, towards the people who have lost loved ones. Um, So what we're saying is that, you know, we need to have alternatives, you know, or not just alternatives. We need a different way. We need to build in different ways in our communities for how we address violence and harm, right? And that does not mean, you know, does not include putting people in cages and calling the police, right? Right, Or forcibly removing children from a home because there's been, you know, some kind of domestic violence thing that's happened between the adults in the house. Um, You know, it's our, we need to think through the consequences, the long-term consequences of forcibly removing people from their homes, from their neighborhoods, from, you know, their broader community uh, and what that does uh, to those places. And, you know, we have plenty of, you know, evidence to show that it's harmful, uh, not just to individuals themselves, but to the communities um, at large. And, uh, and it's a difficult thing. It's a, it's, it's not going to be an easy conversation. Pods are not Again, as I said earlier, pods are not going to save us. Um, pods, pods are a place to begin, an entry point, perhaps. Um, it's a conversation to have. And as we think through these models, then we get more, you know, um, experience and information and listen uh, to other people, we can refine these models as well. Right. So in that way, the model remains like a living thing. Right. So it's not like, well, 30 years ago we were doing this thing called pods and, you know, let's revive this now. And, 
it's like, no, how does this help us in this context today, right? What is happening? What has changed? What do we know? What have we, you know, learned um, over time that has us thinking through uh, the issues that are at stake here? Um, and I think that that's in part why I wanted to have this conversation first as, you know, a segue to, you know, hopefully many more conversations this year um, talking about accountability. Um, and I think that, you know, that word accountability is something that I we could do a whole episode on accountability and I was going to say, exhaust oh. it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think accountability is definitely something that we need to open up. I mean, I'm this kind of conversation gets me so riled up and I could honestly go on for another like five hours talking to you. <laughs> I'm tempted to like, I don't know if like you think we should call it there and just start with pods. I do think that accountability is absolutely a concept that we need to pick apart and dive into in a subsequent episode about this, um, because especially from the reading you know, and just, you know, the reading that I did is very surface level. Obviously, there's been so much thought uh, mm -hmm. put into this stuff. But just, you know, I mean, I, I write about this stuff all the time. And I, I haven't thought, you know, and I talk about accountability all the time. And I just realized that I don't know jack shit about accountability. Reading, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's so much to talk about there. And I, I personally think that should be the next thing. Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I mean, I, I feel like, um, like you, I, I've gotten very quiet um, over the past year uh, around, you know, in part because I needed to kind of, you know, do my own sort of meditation around these different things, but also deepen my practice and read a lot more um, around this stuff because it is a question that we get all the time and, you know, um, about, you know, what do we do? What do we do with people that have committed violence and horrible acts of, you know, um, of harm? And, uh, and I wanted a better response to that um, than whatever it was that I, you know, had been saying in interviews and, you know, and talks and, and what have you. I wanted to have a better way to respond to legit concerns about um, about safety. I mean, that's really what people are asking about, you know, how, how are we going to be safe? You know, how are we going to be safe? And thinking through that and, uh, is, is not easy. It's not easy. It requires, you know, um, I've read a lot in the past year, um, and I thought I'd done a lot of reading before then. Um, you know, for folks really interested in this, I would definitely recommend um, the U.S. Prison Culture uh, blog. Um, I try to read as much, if not everything, um, that Mariam Kaba posts on there, because I think it's really, it, it was probably one of the earliest introductions I had to the idea of transformative justice, um, as opposed to restorative justice. Um, and also the Bay Area Transformative Justice Collective's um, blog. Uh, those are my top two. Um, 
you know, recommendations in terms of, you know, reading materials for folks that want to deepen their practice um, or just learn a little bit more about how they can, you know, do this in their own lives. Absolutely. And I'll make sure that we link to that, those resources. And as we go forward, you know, we'll continue to link and probably, you know, basically build a, a resource collection of our own for, for folks to, um, to dive deeper into this. Cause I think it's really, it's really important. I mean, you know, not to go too much further with this, but just even the way that we talk about uh, safety and, and even the words like holding somebody accountable, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that these are things that we really need to think deeply about. Um, and I, you know, I'm appreciative of the work that you've done on this and, and Mariam and, and a lot of people, um, and I'm eager to learn much more um, and to share it with everyone, so. Fantastic, I'm, I'm here for it. Same. All right, everyone. Well, I think that uh, maybe we'll call it there. Absolutely. Um, Pick back up very soon. And it's always enjoyable talking to you, Kim. All right. You too, Brian. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Bye.